Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today we have a special treat for you because I have to admit that today is our first male <laughs> guest on the show, <laughs> and he's laughing as I say that, but it's incredible that how many wonderful women I've had as guests on this show, but very few men come forward to talk about perimenopause and menopause. Coach Allen, who is probably known to many of you, came on and said that he wanted to be on the show and talk about health, fitness, and also that man's perspective on menopause. What more could I say than yes? So welcome to the show, Thank Coach Allen. Many of you, many know you as an online personal trainer and particularly as the host of 40 Plus Fitness, which is a great podcast. And if I'm not wrong, it's one of the most downloaded popular podcasts around. Coach, thank you for being here. And I mean, for a start, you've got your own backstory as to how you came to be working in this space. I'd love you to share a bit of that with my listeners. Sure. I was a corporate guy, very successful, feeling really good about myself in that realm. But in pretty much every other aspect of my life, I was a complete failure. My health was deteriorating. My fitness was non-existent at that point. My relationships, rubbish. And, and then quite frankly, my family, I was like... I, I was just struggling with everything and had a very poor perception of myself. Even though I had a lot of accolades on the career side and was very successful there, that was it. I was a one-trick pony. And I wanted to change, and I decided to change, but it took me eight years to figure this all out because I kept trying to do something. That didn't work. I tried this, and that didn't work. or worked for a little while and stopped working, and it was just really frustrating. And then one day I woke up. And ashamed to admit, I was hungover in a hotel room in Malaysia. I was working there, but I was hungover this Saturday morning and I woke up and I said, okay. I said, why is it that with my career, I've always been successful in almost every single thing I ever tried to do, but this is stumping me. This is so hard and, and it shouldn't be. And it was at that time that I realized what I had done was I had committed to building my career. It, it was, I was married to my job. I was married to that thing. And it was that kind of that epiphany of, wait, everything I've been good at was something that I really put myself to. In the United States, you have to pass the CPA exam to be a, a certified public accountant. And it's very rare for someone to pass it the first time. I think when I was taking it, you had four parts. You had to take all in, in succession. It was There was no calculators, paper, the whole thing. And about 10% of people passed it the first time they took it. So it was a very low pass rate on this exam. But I had committed myself to the exam. I'd committed myself to passing. And I did. Everything that I'd ever done, I realized, oh, I, I have a passion for it. I have a commitment for it. Even if it's not fun, I do it because I'm committed. And that's when it hit me. It's, it's the commitment. It's not the deciding. It's not resolutions. It's not a lack of willpower. Those are words that you're, you're meant to fail. If you do a resolution and you fail at it, 96% of other people. So you're like, you're in the majority. And, and if everybody's almost proud to say, yeah, I have no willpower and that's okay. We accept that. So we make failure acceptable until we commit. And then I would say, okay, if you told your spouse that you were going to pick them up at the airport at five o'clock in the morning, they're coming in on a red eye. Where are you at five o'clock in the morning? And uh, yes. Airport, and, and so that's yeah. a point is if you show yourself the same love, 
as you would show someone else, the same respect that you would show your best friend. When you start doing that, it makes health and fitness almost easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it makes it almost easy. It makes it almost, you don't think about it as much. You just do it. And then it becomes who you are. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, of course, because it's maybe I would say that's a bit like not, you're not pushing to make it happening. You're committing yes, from the heart. exactly. And the words and things that we throw around is, okay, so if someone attractive walks by you um, and you want to say, okay, that I wouldn't even think of going that direction because I'm, I'm committed to her. I'm committed to or her. I'm, I'm committed. And so you wouldn't even think about it now. Okay. Someone comes up with the donuts in the break room. Why are you doing it? It, it, it seems silly. Cause you're like, Oh, it's just a donut. Well, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's just a conversation or just something We're going out for drinks, but it's, you, you know, that it's not what your path is. It's not, it's not what you should be doing. And so it's like that. If you have that kind of self-love, if you treat yourself the way you would treat your best friend and you're open and honest and clear, then those decisions become non-decisions. They're just, that's not who you are. Now, and I wonder how many people actually think like that about health and fitness, or are we just making New Year's resolutions and they just fall over? Your experience as is, a trainer. Yeah, my experience is that people start with tactics first. So they'll say, I have to work out every day. I've got to go to the gym. I've got to get on the bike. I've got to do this. I got to get on the treadmill. And they start with these tactics without really having a plan. So when, you know, you're going to get married, you have an idea of what your life is going to be like five, 10 years from now, we're going to have two kids and we're going to name them Nicholas and Rebecca. And you have those thoughts when you're younger and you're going through this plan, you have a plan, a destination, if you will, at least somewhere. And I think too many people go into their health and fitness and say, well, what, what does that look like? I know my why, my why is the core of my commitment. It's okay. I want to be there for my daughter. I want to be there for my wife. If something's going on, I want to be, I still want to be the caretaker. I want to be able to take care of myself. I want to be independent. And something I joke out and say there is I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. And so these visions of, okay, what does that look like? What, what do I, being independent at 105, or in my case, as I was going, starting my journey, it's my daughter was going through all of this CrossFit and obstacle course racing, and she wants me to go watch her do these things. And I'm like, well, I don't want to watch you do them. I don't want to be a spectator in your life. I want to be a contributor. And so I decided I, I want to do the mud runs with her. I want to be able to keep up with. Now, that was a, a pretty tall order for a 47-year-old man or 46, at the time, 46, 47-year-old man to say he wants to keep up with his daughter, who's a you know 21-year-old CrossFit coach. But at the same time, I said, oh, there's no reason I can't. I, I can't see a reason I can't. So I set the vision, the plan. And then it's, okay, so now what do I have to do to be that person a year from now, five years from now, or in the case of me being 105, uh, that's 49 years and two months. What do I have to do to be that person? And it means I have to basically keep my health in check. I need to live to 105. I need to be strong. I need to have some mobility. I have to have balance and dexterity. And so those are the things, the, those are the hallmarks now of health and fitness that are important to me. So then now I know where I'm going. And then I just set the mile markers or the milestones between here and there to say, okay, I need to be stronger. So what's a goal, a short-term goal I can set to build more strength? What's a, a short-term goal I can build to, to do to build more stamina? 
And I say, okay, I need to train maybe three days a week in strength. And maybe I need to train on stamina three days a week. And so I say, okay, so those are my six training days. I already know what I need to do. So instead of throwing the tactic out there and saying, okay, I need to eat well and I need to exercise, I now have this much more defined plan with actions that I can measure and say, okay, my goals are to be in the gym lifting three days a week. My goals are to work on stamina three days a week. And I'll know I'm succeeding when I'm in the gym and doing those things three days, the six days per week. And when you're doing that and you can start seeing your progress toward that vision, towards that thing, it's I'm getting stronger. I'm building more stamina because I'm eating better. I'm losing some body fat and I'm feeling better. All those things add up towards moving towards who you want to be a year, five years, 50 some odd years from now. But you build that plan based on where you want to go and why you want to get there rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to eat better and work out more. And those are hard because you miss a day or you miss two days. And then you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll start back on Monday. And then this is just Tuesday. And you're like, okay, so you're going to take six days off because the tactics are hard. When the tactics are a part of how you live your life, then they're not as hard. So if I say, okay, I want to get paid. So I know I got to drive to the office. They're not going to pay me to not be there. And so (laughs) I've got to go to the office. Okay. What are the tactics to getting to the office? Well, make sure there's gas in the car, get in the car, drive the car to work. Okay. Do the work and then come home. It's the same thing here. It's not necessarily a joy to do that drive. You can do things to make it a little bit more enjoyable, but you know where you have to be. You have to be at the office and when you have to be there. So you're there. It just becomes this automatic thing of these, this is who I am. So the tactics and strategies now become habits and those habits build your lifestyle. Yeah. And I can, that's so much more deliberate and and you do it when you do yeah. that because we do. We get in the car and we go to work and we do it every single day until you do something yeah. different. And they are our habits, how we eat. And everything in our life is about really building lasting habits, whether they're good or bad. That's a different yeah. conversation, but that's what we do. And I also think that we can apply that to having a wellness plan for our menopause, whereas too many women are actually allowing this thing to just happen and then have random markers, if that until it's over. And I think that deliberate approach to living allows us then to say, I want that to be like that. We can't predict our symptoms, but we can have a wellness plan. And one of the things that I've noticed in men and women is that the starting point, or even from any point where you're at in this whole journey, the more you're doing to protect your overall health, meaning, and and we all know, eat the right foods, move, sleep as, as, as well as your body will let you manage stress. If we're doing those things that are good for our body, then has the resilience to make that a little bit more bearable. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of the time what we're doing is creating a good, strong foundation, yeah. I would say, for our health. We wouldn't build a house by putting the roof up. I don't know why in my own mind, and maybe you shed some light on this, Coach, that people go to all the twirly stuff at the top. They're lost with all the glittery. If I waft an essential oil over my head, I'm going to go to sleep, and they get lost in lots of fancy things, whereas the base is what we do for our health because that lasts and carries us through till we are 
as you say. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. It, that there, we're looking, a lot of people are looking for that simple rule, that quick fix. Give me something simple that I can just do. And so a lot of the things that we th take for granted in the health and fitness field that people just like, this is what you do, like counting calories, calories in, calories out. We're a closed system. It's Newton's law. It has to work. And then they're eating no nothing, 800 calories per day, and they're moving around and they're stressed beyond belief and the scale's not moving. It's just same as many key KGs as they had yesterday. And they're like, how am I not losing weight? I, I'm not eating enough. I'm not eating and I'm always hungry. And then all of a sudden they find themselves upset because they stepped on the scale this morning and it's okay. I'm eating the crisps and the cookies and the biscuits and the, all of that stuff because they give it, it's too hard. And you're absolutely right. If you set the foundation to something, which means you have a secure footing and okay, where I want to go is here. And then, okay, it doesn't start with the tactics and the strategies. Those are tools. And sometimes those tools will work for me and sometimes they won't. For a young guy in his 20s with his testosterone going up through the roof, he picks up a weight and he's more muscular tomorrow. A guy in his 40s is trying to lose weight and his wife is trying to lose weight and he loses two kilos a week and she's struggling to lose any, if that. And, and he's lying. And it's not fair. No, I'm fine. It's, it's actually not. He has a lot more testosterone, even as, as he's older. It just makes weight loss easier for them. And so the, the hard part of all of this is to just have self-compassion to recognize that your body is this huge system that's much more complex. And if you're focused on the easy solution, the trolleys at the top, as you said, then you're not going to have the beautiful house that you want that's secure and not leaking. It's a great roof. It's raining and now you're wet inside your house. It's what did I forget? It's, oh, windows. Uh, there's no glass there. <laughs> I skipped a part. And, uh, and so you're absolutely right. We, we have to have a foundation and we have to have a plan and once we have that, then it's the construction aspect of just doing it and going at the pace that's necessary because sometimes your body's going to cooperate and other times it's not. Yeah. And you brought up a really important point that's very close to my own personal heart and that's self-compassion. And I think that a lot of the people that I've worked with coached and myself had I mean about a zero mm -hmm. if it was minus it probably would be closer to that and so that drives I think a lot of us as women particularly to either give up exercising and say this isn't working for me and, and we know that globally that's the case that women aren't doing sufficient uh, fitness exercise they, for a variety of reasons but some of it is about that lack of self-compassion. So we're not losing the weight. And we come and talk about weight gain in a minute and whether it's an, an inevitability, but we're not losing the weight or when we're losing more muscle or we're feeling so tired. We can feel very tired oh, in yeah. menopause. So we give up because we don't have that sense of, well, actually, it's okay some days to go slower or... Maybe I do skip a day because I don't have that, but I'm going to come back stronger the next Yeah, day. I was uh, talking to a woman. She was thinking about working with me. She was 50 years old, and she had already had menopause. And she was telling me, she said, I don't, you know, she said I'm, I'm having this conversation with you, but I don't think I can lose weight. I think it's impossible. And I said, no, it's, it's actually possible. And I said, we just have to find the route to talk to your body where it feels comfortable letting that weight go. And so it, for her, it was once she started the process of saying, okay, well, does this food serve me 
yes or no. So there were no off limit foods. It was just, a, do I feel good eating this? Does this actually make me feel better and, and, and help me? And as she started eliminating some of the things that she ate, mostly processed stuff, she found that she felt better. She found that actually the weight did start coming off and she had more energy. And then when she had more energy, the moving around and doing things was easier. And as she started moving around and doing things, that got easier. And then she noticed some other benefits and she was sleeping better. She didn't feel as stressed. And then she started losing the weight because her, her body at that point was not in a fight or flight mode. It was starting to relax and say, okay, I can do this. And this does feel good. And, and the, now she's feeding me right. Now she's treating me right. Uh, now that self-love is manifesting as health. And when you're looking for health, that's got to be the first thing. As you start doing things to make your body healthier, it rewards you with this cool side effect of weight loss. Yeah, which instead, and I think that's a very different perspective. It feels very intuitive eating driven, as opposed to the diet culture, which has a tremendous pressure on people to lose a certain amount of weight and of course it's destined to fail well it is because what they're telling you is you can't eat this or you have to be very meticulous about how much you eat and when you eat and then you're like okay what happens if my car breaks down and i'm supposed to finish my meals before seven o'clock and i'm on my way home from work and my car breaks down and now i've got to take it to the the mechanic or the garage i think you guys say garage and i got to get worked on and then i'm getting home at nine o'clock do i just not eat and, and I've had clients, people I've talked to, oh, I didn't get home in time, so I didn't, I couldn't eat. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and cleared out the, the pantry of all the snacks that the kids had. And I'm like, okay, it would have been better for you to have had that meal <laughs> and not worry about it. The, the base point of, of all of this is we all know, and I've interviewed hundreds of people, over, over 320 interviews so far. And I've interviewed vegans carnivores and keto and paleo and everything in between. And the one thing that always comes out in the conversations, I know why is your way of eating better? And they're like, we're eating whole food. And that's always been it. The vegans are losing weight because they're now focused on the quality of their food and they're eating whole food. You can be vegan and eat crap. You can be carnivore and eat crap oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you can be keto now and eat crap. And so the base point is if you took your time and said, okay, I want to recognize what I'm eating as food, meaning it was alive. It's, it was alive. It was a plant or an animal or a byproduct from them that you're eating. And it's as minimally processed as makes sense. And obviously you're not going to eat raw meat and you can't just eat raw vegetables. Uh, you're probably not going to eat raw eggs. And so just realizing minimally processed and recognizing it as a food item, there's, there's no such thing as a Twinkie tree. And I don't, they have, they, do they have Twinkies? <laughs> no. over there? Yeah. There's no such thing as a Twinkie. Okay. I know what they are though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's basically just sugar and flour fluffed up and all kinds of chemicals and it's, they'll last forever. Like you can put them in the shelf and they, they, they'll be good 20 years from now. At least they'll not be good, good, but they'll, you'll still be edible 20 years from now. And so it's just the whole point of all the shelf stable food, which is in the, you know, particularly in the United States, I know it's 90% of our grocery store. If you, all the shelves in the middle are processed stuff and they're shelf stable and beyond Maybe some things like coffee and tea, 
or canned meats, for the most part, everything in the middle of the store is unedible or shouldn't be eaten because it's just Mm. not food. Whereas you walk around the outside and it's produce and it's meat and eggs and cheese. And maybe you can't tolerate some of that, like lactose or this or that, but you recognize it as this was a living being. And then the higher the quality of that food, again, that's the nutrition that goes in your body. It affects everything. It affects your hormones. It it affects the enzymes and things that you have going on in your body. And if you're moving and you're eating and you're sleeping and you're managing your stress, all of those feedbacks, the information to your body is going to say, we're, we're good. We're in a very healthful environment and things are going good. And then it can relax and do its job. Yes. Yes, totally. I've always had a rule of thumb or being 60, I can probably say this, that if it doesn't look like the food of my grandmother would have eaten, then I'm not eating it either. That's been my personal rule of thumb. And I have a big fight with my husband who will eat because he lived for 11 years in the US. And I just go, this food you eat isn't edible. And I'm not participating here. It breaks all my rules. And he says, oh, let's go to McDonald's. And I go, let's not. Or you can go, but I'm not joining in here because I don't know what half of that is like. And that's my own personal rule. But And that has served me pretty well, except for the fact that as we get older, we're maybe not quite as thin or as small as we once were. With Facebook and filters and no one looks the way they look anymore. They don't even, they don't even think they look the way they look. And and that's an unfortunate thing because the reality is that's, that should not be the goal. The goal should be health. We just lose that. We lose that goal, honestly. And, And I think that's sometimes one of the things that I know we said we'd talk about is can you get your body back? And I think that Facebook culture kind of tries to perpetuate that you can. A lot of those ads make you look as if you suddenly shrunk to being, well, like I was a US size, whatever I was for or something. (laughs) I'm not that anymore, but that's okay. But I think there is that kind of mindset that floats around on social, which I don't well, know. What do you think? Is it, it is. Damaging? It is. Particularly, I'm not going to say particularly for women, but I, I do think that women feel this a little bit more than men. Man will see another fit man and be like, okay, he's got to be doing steroids and they'll move on. Women will see another woman and then uh, say, I don't look like that. And she'll, they'll feel bad about themselves and, and they shouldn't. Fitness is not a look. Okay. Health is not necessarily a look. Fitness is fit for task. I'm not going to make the NBA or the NFL or uh, soccer, you know, or football, as you guys call it. I'm not going to be a pro at that. I miss my, miss my opportunity. I was not able to do that. For me to think that I could get to that shape now is, doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. My body's different and I need to treat it differently. I got to drive it differently. And so fit, Fitness to me is fit for task. So who would I want to be? I want to be a great grand. I want to be an awesome grandfather. Okay. So if you want to be an awesome grandmother, what does that mean? What means when your grandchildren come over, you can keep up with them. So you've got the stamina to run around with them. You take them to the zoo and they run from the monkeys to the elephants and you're able to toddle along with them. You're not sitting on a bench while they do the zoo. If the kid wants to get on the ground and crawl around and play a game or put together a puzzle, you can sit down, get, sit down on the floor and play with them. And when they get up, because they're only going to be there for a minute or two and they move, you can stand up and go with them. That's fitness. 
is to be who you're meant to be and enjoy it and not be pained by it. And for a lot of people, it's like, sit down on the floor and see how that feels. Most of us don't. And if you ever want to connect with a grandchild on a level that they will just love, sit down at their level. Don't be sitting in a chair looking down at them while they play. Get down there and play with them. It'll make you a fitter person and you'll be a better, better grandfather because you're in their world. You're participating. You're not spectating. And then from a health perspective, the best measurement I have for health is quite simply when you wake up in the morning and you go in to brush your teeth and look in the mirror, who do you see? How does your skin look? How do your eyes look? How do you feel? How well rested are you? Are you ready to tackle the day? If we spent more time thinking about those things, about the life we're living and how we're feeling and looking that way from a health and fitness perspective, it would be a whole new game. Now, are we going to get back the bodies we had when we were in our 20s? Probably not. It's possible with what they have available today with the, the hormone replacements and other things that you can get into if you want to go that route. But that's an investment and that's doing things that aren't necessarily natural to your normal aging. And long term, they don't necessarily know everything about it. We're just now getting into the science of anti-aging and it's good stuff. It's interesting stuff. But Unless, again, you're willing to spend a whole, bo whole bunch of money and still do the work because it's not just take a pill and fill it and do it. You, you still got to go to the gym and do the work. You still got to eat because none of that science is going to outdo a bad life. No, and, and I'm really glad that you said that, actually, because we, we're obviously seeing a resurgence in, in the perimenopause time of hormone replacement therapy. And I am and I'm always saying on this show, I'm not against it, but. It only does what it does, yeah? And it does not support your whole lifestyle. And I'm concerned when I hear women say, I'll just take a bit of HRT and I'm saying, how about working on your stress? What's your movement? Because now they're being sold something that apparently negates the need for all of that. And you've just said that you have to do the work and you do, you have to still eat right and move and manage stress. And those three factors will then flow onto your sleep as well which is a huge yeah, issue absolutely let me now when i have a man <laughs> on the show i have to ask questions about you know supporting from your perspective supporting women how can men and how have you been able to support your wife much more i say this every time i try to have a guest on uh, to talk about this topic every year and and one of the things that I do that's very different than a lot of the podcasts that have authors on, and my guests are predominantly authors and experts, when I bring them on, I do the research. I read their book, okay? And if you can imagine a guy who's now read probably about 10 books on menopause and perimenopause, you learn a thing or two. But in talking to them, it's interesting because they say men don't do this. Men know anything about this. And I agree that we don't. For me to talk about this, I have to think in terms of, okay, based on what I know of reading, what I've read and seeing it firsthand with my wife is I can feel the difference from how I felt with my testosterone and, and everything else from when I was in my twenties to how I feel now. And I would say what I need to do now is my, in my head is bump that up like by a factor of 10. She's going through a lot more because the effect of the hormones on her body are extremely different. Now, I've always had this concept that I'm a caretaker. I'm, I'm supposed to support and be there for the people in my life. So 
I was the one that took my daughter on her first gynecological visit. I was, of course, the only guy sitting in the waiting room. And to me, that to me that was normal, being a parent. And then being a spouse is just being support. But I've learned so much from these books and from experience that I think more men need to be more involved in this because unfortunately, and this is what I took from one of the doctors I interviewed, she's a lot of the doctors, particularly the male doctor, uh, gynecologist, gynecologist doctors at any rate, they've never experienced what you're going through. So they might be telling you, oh, this is completely normal. Suck it up. And, and if there's a man involved in, there, in the room or around, he might have the same perspective. Just suck it up. This is the time you're going through it, and then it'll be over. Normal is not necessarily normal. If you're going through these and you're thinking, okay, this is not the way I want it to be, or this is because my wife went through an ablation surgery, okay, because the periods were just erratic, and they were all the time and they were bad and she was just not happy with that. So she went through an ablation surgery and I was there with her and making sure she was comfortable with it as she went through it. And and then one of the things that came up in that conversation was the word fibroid. And I didn't know what that was at the time. And I wish I did because later on she had to have those removed along with her uterus and then her ovaries with hysterectomy. So she was in perimenopause for about two years and then boom, the automatic menopause with that. And if I had known then what I know now, I would have said, hey, let's talk about natural remedies for these fibroids. Instead of just taking it and dealing with it or trying to a surgery or this or that, if we had started earlier when we knew those were there, and I knew that word, because at the time I didn't even know the word when the doctor said it, then I would have approached it a very different way. So I think it's good to have the men in your life aware of what you're doing, what's going on, and then they need to support you. And so it's one of those things of saying, I'm, I'm here to support you and everything you do, and you know that. I need you to support me as I go through this, because this is not easy. And with it not being easy, and this was another stat, I don't know the full stats, but one of the doctors I was talking to, divorce during this time of life is rampant because your emotions and, and feelings and everything that's going on with you, sometimes the men feel like, okay, this is not what I signed up for, and it causes a lot of marital strife. Having open, honest conversations, and like I said, having self-love and then love for them and then if they're able to show that back through respect and support, this can actually foster a better relationship. Yeah, I think, and I think that's very true. This conversation, the two-way conversation is incredibly important. I think for men to understand and listen but and also say how I can help you. But on the other side, I think as women, we need to stop thinking we can carry the whole burden and yes. reach out to men and say, I need your help. I need your support. Because even if you cannot understand exactly what we're going through, you understand those words very yeah, it, it Probably one of the hardest things for us to do as humans is to ask for help. And you must. This is the, the same thing. Uh, not the same thing, but as a woman that goes into puberty. And has her first menses, and you're like, okay, that's a weird, I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine it uh, happening that way for me. And it didn't, thank you. <laughs> but going through that change, if you had a very supportive mother or older sister or both, then it, it made that period of your life 
at least a little bit more bearable. And this is not the same change, but it's a similar type of situation where you're going through a change. Perimenopause, going into menopause can take upwards of 10 years. And and then you don't know it's done till it's done. So there's a lot of false, I guess I'm going to say false starts, but false start stops. And then now, yeah, you here you are, but in your body's now changing. And that's one of the harder aspects of all of this is the change in hormones changes you physically, just as it changed you being a little girl into being a woman. It's now changing you into the next phase, which is being the best grandma, wife, woman, whatever you are going into this phase of your life it's still an opportunity as you go into it to embrace who you are and live your best life. Yeah, I, I love that because I think it has been for me as a woman in her 60s now to say, yes, it has. But I, I think that support from a partner is so important. And I, I think you being there and asking questions and not asking questions necessarily about all the details, unless that's what uh, you I got details. Do. I got, I've got pictures. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's necessary. There's been understanding and being supportive. There's been a big thing in the British newspapers about a woman who's just taken her life in 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 perimenopause and her husband's really been very devastated because said he didn't know the signs and I think that's maybe a bit of a signal to men and for us as women to the men in our lives to allow them in to what we're going through so they can yeah and if nothing else what it does is at least gives the guy an opportunity to recognize that you care enough about him to include him in all of you, in all of your life, not just, okay, this is the unfortunate female part and this is off limits. It's look, I know this is not necessarily the most intriguing topic that you want to talk about. We could talk about Manchester United versus Liverpool, or, <laughs> but let's talk about this and, and that why this is important because my body is going to change a bit. My uh, different things are going to happen here as I go through this change. And I just want to be open and honest with you. There are going to be days where I might chew your head off. And if I do that, just recognize that's not where I'm coming from. That's not who I am. That's just something I'm going through and I have to vent. I have to put it out there because in the end, if you're open and honest, then when that starts to happen, cause I know I was there, I had read the books. So I had a, a a tactical advantage as we went into this, but my wife would sit there and say something that was just insane. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, do you want something to eat? And what can I do for you right now? I, I, I started to recognize that as she was going through something, that those outbursts or the things that were going on in her life or the, the crying or anything else was really her dealing with something. And the best thing I could do was not try to fix her but to just support the situation and say, okay, can I get you something to eat? And it really wasn't about solving anything for her because I knew she wasn't hungry and I knew I couldn't do anything to fix what was actually going on internally. It was just that we have to get through this together. She has to feel supported and then we're there, but it, it also has to work both ways. So you have to be honest with him, how you're feeling. And if you notice that you have these tendencies uh, from a hormonal perspective, have the conversation beforehand. So he's like, okay, 
I get it. You're going to sit up all night long reading your book and you're not going to sleep because you're really struggling with something right now, physical, not mental or anything else. Just, okay, you're hot flashes, the night sweats and all that, and you're just not sleeping. He has to recognize that's not forever, but it is something you're going through right now. And you need his support because in the morning, if there's things that need to get done and now you finally have fallen asleep, he needs to tiptoe out of the room. Yeah, the aircon might be on a little bit more than it was before. So the room's a little bit colder. Um, Throw on some socks. Deal. Yeah, I, I, I hope that a lot of men take that on board and realize that it's maybe just small yeah. steps to an open line of communication as so important. And finding out information. Where do you think men can get their best information about menopause? Yeah, I, some of the books that I've read uh, have gone really deep and would, would be great resources. Like I said, some of the books I wish I had read 10 years earlier or even 30 years earlier. So when I was taking my daughter uh, to the gynecologist that I would have known some of these things because I was completely oblivious and thought, okay, this is just this and then we'll do that. And I you know, thought it was pretty simple stuff, but realizing how complex the, the human body is and particularly the female uh, reproductive system and hormone system is just, is it's beyond me because again, I'm not a doctor, but at the same time, so I, I don't expect that they'll run out and start buying all these books to read, but I have had guests on. And we've talked about these types of topics. And I always make sure as I have my guests on that I keep in mind that about, I think about a third of my audience or maybe 40% of my audience is male. So I tell them at the beginning of every show, it's don't, don't skip this one. Yeah, we're going to talk about ladies' health and menopause, but listen to it. But I've had lots of great guests on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast. Most of the shows are going to be less than an hour. Listen to them. And if you find one that kind of resonates with where you are in your journey, just ask them to dedicate the hour and sit down with you and listen. That's a start. Your show here is probably also, if there's some favorite episodes here, have him listen to these so he can at least get the perspective You know, of, okay, this was a deeper thing or a, a more difficult thing than I would have given it credit for. Because as men go through our, what we call andropause, it's not nearly the same. We have a lot of the same issues, but given that our decline is a little bit slower and given that we never are completely without testosterone, really changes the game for us. So we're never going to fully experience it and, and that's okay. We won't, but we can at least have compassion and understand what you're going through from whatever lens we have. And so if you find a show like this, or you want to listen to some of my podcasts that I've had on menopause, come on over, listen to the show. When you find the ones that resonate, then just ask your partner to listen with you and then have a conversation. That is, that is really beautiful advice. I love it. And I think that is such a great place to wrap up there because if that is real information, I think to take away and to, for men to ponder on and take action on. Coach Allen, where can people find more, listen to the podcast and other places they can Okay, you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com and that'll take you to the podcast page and there you'll see all the different podcasts. And when you're on that main page of the podcast, you can type in menopause and several shows will possibly find one you like and, and start listening. You can go to 40plusfitness.com and that's where I'm doing my online personal training now. That's without the podcast, but just 40plusfitness is where I'm doing my online training. 
And we have a Facebook group. It's a free group. Right now we're approaching about 1,700 members. Uh, and so it's a really cool supportive group with weekly challenges and things like that. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group and join the 40 Plus Fitness group. That is wonderful. Coach Allen, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing so much wisdom, so much practicality. Thank you. I appreciate being here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.